All right, welcome back, guys, to another episode of The Morning Skate. You got Ked here. Before I introduce our guest, I want to say my apologies to people who are listening to this podcast. I told you I got a mic, and I did get a mic, but I completely forgot to turn it on the last, like, three times that we used it. So that's why the audio is still kind of fucked. But now we're good to go, and we have a fucking pretty cool guest, guys. Uh, this guy, he was drafted by the Philadelphia Flyers in the 4 NHL draft, 9-2 overall, third round. He played for the University of Maine, where my co-host, Hal, claims that he was born and raised, even though he spent just a little bit of time there. Uh, he played for the Philadelphia Phantoms, the Adirondack Phantoms. He hopped over to the pond, so he's going to be able to tell us about some uh, European-type shit. Played a couple years on the coast, and oh yeah, guys, he sings country music. It's not a big deal. So Rob Bellamy, welcome to the Morning Skate. How's it going, brother? Man, thanks for having me. Long time coming. I know, man. I, I think you and I have been talking for months now, and we finally fucking got it, and I'm super pumped up because I, I myself am a huge country music fan, and I'm looking at your career, and I know that your siblings played, and I can't wait to really dive into just you know, what it, what it was like growing up and shit. So, like, let's just start. You're the oldest of your two siblings. Uh, Casey, she's been on the podcast before. She won Olympic gold. Your brother, Corey, who's younger, you played a couple years with him. So, growing up, you had to have been the first person with a hockey stick in your hand. Do you remember, like, the first time that you put on the skates? Like, what, what drew the sport to you? Yeah, dude. So, my mother actually came from a hockey family. Her two brothers both played. Uh, they grew up in Seekonk, Mass., which is right on the border of uh, Rhode Island, like right at, right next to East Providence. So I grew up in Riverside, Rhode Island, which is like the next town over from East Providence until I was about five. And then we moved to Western Massachusetts. So like when I was three years old, it was the first time that I put skates on, went out, did the whole chair thing, ripping around the ice and I uh, didn't need the chair for too long. I mean, I kind of just fell in love with it and picked it up pretty quick. And uh, the first rink I ever skated at was Cranston Vets in Cranston, Rhode Island. Okay. Um, and played on, you know, some youth teams there where you could play games. The Edgewood Eagles was the first team that I was associated with. Well, then, what a uh, youth hockey organization. Oh, by the way. oh my God. I don't know. I know nothing about it, but like the name of that just sounds the, like what the jerseys look like. What color are they? Great, great uniforms, like just black and orange, oh, fuck yeah. all okay. black, orange, you know, just intimidating unis for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so glad that you brought that up because youth hockey, like any team that walks in with like black jerseys, for some reason, I'd always shit my pants. Be like, <laughs> we're going to get run by like 15 here. Yeah, except for one game, I fucking, I was, they put me in uh, as a goaltender. Oh, and I was fucking terrible. <laughs> hey, I, I probably I'm telling you, I, I probably made one save. I was like 17 to nothing or something like that. Oh. It was just I just I figured out real real quick that I wasn't gonna be a goaltender. Yeah, quick pivot and then you're back you're oh, back yeah. in the regular. I would, I would have blew out a groin early. Oh yeah. I'm glad you brought that dude. I have the worst groins in the league. I'm probably like three times a year I'll pull a groin and I'm out for like a month at a time. I literally just did it last week. It's it's brutal. Just a just a t- rough recovery road for you, huh? It's it's the worst, dude. Yeah. I'm like 30 years old. I don't know what's happening. I don't know why my body's breaking down, but it's just not a good deal for me. And let me tell you, like hockey players are supposed to have a certain level of like pain threshold. Like I'm not there, dude. I pull a groin and I pretty much need to get carted off the ice. It's like this whole like embarrassing thing. Like I make sure people are tapping their sticks on the ice. Show me some respect. You know how it is. You got to give it the classic hockey recoveries, ice and stem. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I wish, dude. It's just uh, the beer leagues. They don't operate that no, way. So, I hear yeah. <laughs> so I, I have the, the Can I Brands fucking CBD lotion. Just get out there. So you started with the works better. Oh, it's not. It's pretty fucking good shit. I bet. Uh, so the edge edge town Eagles, Edgewood, Edgewood Eagles. Okay, yeah. so you're growing up 
uh, I always kind of think this is kind of a cool question to ask because I think everybody who thinks of an NHL, AHL, Division One hockey player, they automatically assume that that player was easily the best player like growing up through the ranks of youth hockey. Was that, this, was that the case with you? Were you like hands down the best or was there like a, a certain point where you got to where you're like, okay, it kind of makes sense now? Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, definitely up until I was like eight years old, I was pretty, you know, pretty dominant. Uh, I mean, not, yeah, you know, it's different. Yeah, it's different. I mean, I, I was, I, I don't know. It was just me, I guess. I was just, I, I, I picked it up quicker. I was fast. Yeah. Um, you know, I really didn't even have anyone to pass the puck to because I would just, you know, I'd go through everybody and I'd be looking, I'd, I'd be the only one to pretty much be a breakaway. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I picked it up pretty quick. Um, and I think my dad, you know, realized that he had to get me out of the, the youth organizations and get me into a travel team. So, uh, but at that time we had moved to Western Massachusetts, a little town called Westfield, which is right outside of Springfield. Yep. So, uh, he got a better job, better opportunity financially for the family, uh, moved us out there when I was five or six, played youth hockey in Westfield until I was about eight. And, uh, there was a travel team there in that area called the Springfield junior picks. And it was pretty much the only, you know, the only program there like now nowadays you have so many leagues everywhere yeah. so if you don't make a team i'll just i'll go to this team yeah here you know fortunately which was great about this was i was forced to you know go out and i had to make the team or i didn't i, I was going to go back to youth hockey which just i didn't want to do yeah i don't want to do that so ended up making the team um and right away you could tell just a different structure different uh talent um i wasn't the best player on the team anymore Um, you know, which was, which was definitely great for me. And I think it made me become a better player. No, for sure. And were, were you playing other sports or were you just like strictly hockey? That was, that's what was going on. No, I was playing, uh, it it was mostly, mostly growing up. It was hockey and baseball up, up until, uh, probably high school. And then I played, uh, when I was in high school for one year, I played lacrosse and football, but for, for the most part of my, for the most part of my life, it was hockey and baseball. Now, I, I know that you played in the EJ. Did you get a chance to play for your high school team, or did you just go straight to junior after the picks, I suppose? No, I never played high school. Uh, you know, grew up playing. I played I played in the Springfield Picks organization um, all the way up until Bantam. Um, so I was there for, for a good, you know, five, six, seven years. Uh, then I made a transition when I was in ninth grade. I transitioned. I played for the Connecticut Clippers. So my my dad would travel – uh, 45, 50 minutes, twice, three times a week just for practice. And then the nearest, I mean, our home games were in Cromwell, Connecticut. So that drive from Westfield to Cromwell was 45, 50 minutes. The nearest home game was probably two, three hours away. We played in that, we played in that Atlantic junior league with like the New Jersey devils, uh, the colonials, Philadelphia junior flyers, um, Pennsylvania Panthers. I mean, there, there was a lot of teams in that league that were really, really good. I mean, and that's just aren't hockey dads the best, dude? Hockey parents oh. are just fucking like unbelievable. Different breed, man. They really are, man. Because yeah. like, as much as I want to say, whenever I have kids, I'd be willing to make that drive, but that drive has to get old at some point, dude. Like, you know, it, it's the drive. It's it's when you're young. It's getting up at four thirty in the morning to get to uh, you know six o'clock in the morning game or in the f- freezing cold rink. I mean, it's just it takes it takes a special individual to go through with that 
not only mentally but financially too oh yeah for sure and and on top of that he had other kids too so that would that was like fuck we were lucky parents are they are they're a different breed dude we should put that on a t-shirt that would probably sell they they should have they were paying rent at town fair tire changing all the tires on the (laughs) miles they were putting on them jeez man so and then you wound up playing for the new england junior coyotes and the ej so you got to play against the cd selects the uh uh, upstate new york 518 out of the rpi rank uh, I mean, 19 goals, 25 assists, 44 points, 120 pims. I love seeing that out of you. A lot of miscon, uh, a lot of 10 minuters on that. Oh, I think in that whole league, <laughs> like that was just kind of like, oh yeah, <laughs> pretty much everything. It's like two minutes for delay of game, and then like another like 30 for just like soiling the refs. Yeah, but I'll take, I'll take it though. I padded the stats. It was nice. I mean, I'm looking right now, and 120 minutes sticks out. That's like a beauty fucking thing to have. Absolutely, so I appreciate that. Uh. <laughs> What was it like playing in that league? And then you ended up going to UMaine. So, like, at what point, at what point in your life did you realize that Division One hockey was like a, a realistic goal? Um, so I would say when I was seventeen, I I got selected to the um, the under seventeen team for Massachusetts. Usually, usually the under seventeen, like the the um, the festival was out in St. Cloud or it was up in like Rochester, New York or something. And this Rock year, Vegas, fuck yeah. Yeah, oh, a beautiful town. <laughs> um, what's that bar there, the Dinosaur? Oh, dude, I, 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 my ex-girlfriend's from Rochester. I spent a lot of time out there. She oh, actually man. lived in the same neighborhood as Ryan Callahan. Oh, so yeah. I him a few times. I forget, oh, yeah, I forgot he was from there. Who, and Dustin Brown, he's from up, up that way too. Yeah, yeah so I, I, no, Dustin Brown, he's New York, Ithaca. But like right. super close. But you, So making the U-17 team out of Mass, like – other than Minnesota, would would you say that Massachusetts probably has the best like types of players, or at least yeah. during like that time, it was like Minnesota, Mass. I like now you kind of see like St. Louis, and there's some pretty good players coming out from out west. But like Massachusetts is no joke when it comes to fucking hockey. Yeah, I mean, we definitely held our own. Um, you know, we were uh, we had a really really good team out there. Um, we had a lot of great players. I mean, a couple of guys on our team were ranked like number one and number three in the tournament. Um, but like that was the first that was the first time that uh, college had had approached you know me or, or my father uh, via you know how, however they did I don't even remember what happened but um, you know definitely that was the first time and I was like wow I mean this is this is, this is exciting you know and it kind of boosted my you know mentality towards the game a little bit as well yeah. so I got a, I got a chance to go to the next level here. And, uh, you know, I think, I think I just kept getting better and better, um, you know, throughout 17, 18, um, those, those next two years were, were, were big years for me. Yeah. And, and you go to UMaine, which probably I would say they have the best jerseys in NCAA. Like, I don't really oh, think it's like they're, I mean, I like the Michigan helmets, but like the dark blue and the baby blue dude, the fucking, I mean, the away jerseys is, is tight for sure. Oh my God. And then like, you look at the history there, man, they, they don't have slouches there. Paul Korea probably put up the best rookie year of any, any freshman. I mean, true, true freshman out of Maine. He puts up that many points, Jimmy Montgomery, Mike Dunham, uh, and, and you got to play shit. I for, see. I write down notes and I forget. Oh, that good, I man. So at Maine, you got to play with some pretty good people. You got to play with Greg Moore. I think he oh, was yeah. kind of a role player on the Rangers. I, correct me if I'm wrong. Is he not like a GM somewhere, an assistant GM? Or he's, like the, uh, head, he's the head coach of the Toronto Marlies, which is uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs <laughs> farm team. Right. And I mean, that's, I mean, that's pretty fucking impressive. You got to play with Jimmy Howard, the pride of Ogdensburg, New York. Oh, yeah. uh, your sophomore year, you had Ben Bishop. Your junior year, you had Teddy Purcell. So like you got to play those teams sounded like they're pretty fucking good. What was the, uh, 
I guess what was the biggest adjustment going from the EJ to to Hockey East? I'm assuming it was probably like the speed and, and all types of that stuff. But did you have a trouble adjusting to that? And what what was your experience like? You man, it was probably fucking unbelievable. Oh, it was, it was incredible. Um, yeah, I think I think the biggest adjustment for me was, um, you know, 17, 18 year old years. I was a you know goal scorer. I was I was a leading goal scorer. I mean, I was I was a very physical player. I mean, I'd run around and hit everything that moved, but I would also put points up. Um, when I got to Maine, you know, I was a fourth line guy, third, third, fourth line guy, penalty, definitely like an energy penalty killer. Fucking love that. Yeah. But, and, and, you know, because of that and because I had speed and I was, I was a physical player, the adjustment wasn't hard for me because I had a role. <laughs> right. You know, like it wasn't like I was a goal scorer going into to, to Maine and I couldn't, I wasn't scoring goals. I, I didn't have to. Yeah, no. Yeah. And, and I know like, obviously there's a ton of differences between division one players and people below that. But like, if you can get people to buy into their role, like that's yeah. huge. And I think when you start getting to those upper levels, like, I mean, like growing up, you'd have the kid who thought he was so sick and he never passed the puck. And it's like, this kid's fucking awful. He doesn't have any idea what's going on. But then when you get up there, like, I mean, you just said it, you'd lit it up and then you got there and you're like, fuck, I need to find a different role. Like, let's go, let's go party in the corners. Oh, absolutely, man. I, and, I, and I thrived on that and I, I accepted that role. And, you know, most of, most of the nights I came out and I, and I did my job, um, you know, but main, you know, going, I don't know if you've ever been up to Orono, but the atmosphere up there is it's, it's. I, I consider it the best in college hockey. I love that. You know, it's, it, I went up there. I took my unofficial visit up there. My dad and I drove up there from Westfield on a Sunday, five hours. Uh, they were playing Merrimack, who was terrible, at, terrible at the time. Um, it was a Sunday afternoon game at three o'clock and the place was just off, off the wall, dude. That's fucking and, insane. And, and I turned to my dad and I was just like, yeah, I, I think that this is the spot for me Yeah, because it's, it's a small, it's a little bit of a smaller rank. I could run around a little bit. It, it, it was more suited to my game. Whereas like UNH is, you know, a lot bigger and huge, great uh, facilities. Though. I got a chance to play club there a couple of times. Facilities were dope, but yeah. huge, huge ice. Phenom- I loved playing there. Um, I don't know if I could have been a, a, a home. I mean, obviously I, I would have embraced it, but it's just, the Orono, the Alphonse suited my game a little bit better. I, I, that, I do. That's fucking sick. Just knowing that you're going to go play Division One, and and you did. And in 2004, you get drafted third round, 92 overall, the Philadelphia Flyers. What was that like? When did you know that you had a chance of getting drafted? I, I was talking to some NHL teams, um, especially during that 18 year old year, playing playing for the Coyotes, um, <coughs> and. You know, I I just did. I I, I thought maybe the Rangers were, were an option, the the, uh, the Canadians, and um, you know, I definitely the Flyers. Flyers, I talked to quite a bit, and uh, you know, the we went to the draft. It was in Raleigh, um, North Carolina. Went with my family, and I mean, it's a nerve wracking day because you yeah. know you're the teams that you've been talking to. They're up next. You're like, I, I there's a possibility here, and then they pass, and they pass, and it's like. Fuck. I don't, <laughs> on here, you know, yeah. it's just it's a definitely a mental game but um getting drafted by philly i mean it taught me a lot man like just a a great organization a, a fucking no holds bar organization like they're they're just all they care about is hard work showing up every day and fucking grinding like yeah. go going to those 
I went to like maybe six or like six development camps there, like some of the most grueling weeks of my life. <laughs> and I mean, I think it's changed a little bit now since back then, but like it was, uh, it was life changing for me, man, but definitely uh, mental toughness. Oh yeah. And, and I mean, just the history behind that organization. I, I'm a huge Rangers fan, like diehard, whatever. Obviously, that'd be my first pick. But then you kind of start thinking about other teams, like who you would want to be. That's a sick team to be. Because like the, they're the Flyers, dude. And oh, no matter who's on the team, they're always going to be that annoying fucking Flyers team that grinds real hard. Yeah. And it, like that's fucking unreal. So you uh, you end up playing a game in 2007. And then in 2008, you put in 52 games the Philadelphia Phantoms. And then the next year you went to Adirondack Phantoms, which we're going to kind of get into, but the players that you played with there, Matsumoto was a fucking Glens Falls civic center legend. So, oh, was, yeah. so was Patty Maroon. We love, we love, we love yeah, Patty. Patty's Maroon. a good, good buddy of mine, man. He's a great dude. He, I mean, he was unbelievable. You got to play with Claude Drew for a little bit. Uh, nope. Klotz, Clarkson, savage, uh, Shane man. Harper. Oh yeah. Played with so, Harps for a little bit. I'm boys with Harps. He, he lives up in Queensbury now. He's a fucking oh, absolute beauty. Yeah. In New York him. he does. Yeah, well, I think he's overseas right now playing, but yeah, he lives up in Queensbury, like probably yeah, right, kind of right by the Civic Center. So you know, what? I don't, I think he came on the. Did he come on the team late that year and then played the whole next year? Uh he he didn't play that many games. He only played like seven games, so that probably makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, those are those are some fucking unreal names, and like, dude, fucking Klotz and Claxon, uh, obviously they're banging bodies. You got to play with Ray Emery for a little bit, rest in peace. So you you got to play with like some pretty cool fucking players. What was it like going from D one hockey to professional AHL? It was definitely it, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was it was definitely a little bit of a, an adjustment because it turned from like kind of being it kind of went it turned from being fun to business. Okay. You know what I mean? Which is, yeah. you know, it was, it was definitely a little bit of a different experience. I mean, in, in a good way, I mean, I have nothing bad to say about it. It was just, it was a little bit different. Um, but I got to play with some great players, um, you know, practices, raise your game. Um, like we, Danny Breer came down and played with us for a little bit, which, which, which pretty cool. Um, but you know, the, the organization that we were in was stacked at the time, man. Like Philly was, Philly was going to the Stanley cup or, the Eastern conference final pretty much every year I was there. Yeah. You know? Um, so it was kind of a, it was a tough organization to move up in. Mm-hmm. Um, part of me sometimes wishes I got drafted by the Florida Panthers back then <laughs> where everybody yeah. got a shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it is what um, it is. So you got to play with Claude Drew and he was 20 years old and 33 games. He was a point per game player. Uh, did like, with him and like Patty Maroon and the guys who ended up like carving out a career in the NHL. Like when you're practicing with those guys, do you just kind of know that like they have it? Definitely. Yeah. You know, um, Patty, Patty's just gotten better and better. You know, he's worked his ass off to get where he is, you know, shedding weight. And, but his, his hand, his, his hands were always there, man. I I could just tell like right away. I was like, this guy for, for a big guy, he's got phenomenal hands. Tough to, tough to knock him off the puck down low. He's unbelievable in front of the net. Um, and Claude, Claude was the same way. Like, um, you know, G as soon as he came in, like this kid special at a young age too, man, he was like, I mean, he was, yeah. Yeah. And, and he, and he was just coming off an unbelievable playoff with Gatineau too. I think it was, mm-hmm. he had like 51 points in like 18 games or something like that. It's not too bad. I don't think yeah. I've ever put up 51 points. So that's no. cool. 
Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you got to play a both of them. Matsumoto is 21. I mean, pretty good fucking teams, dude. Yeah. So, Mats, he, Mats, he, he was an unbelievable uh, point getter, man. He, he put up points. Matt Claxon had 263 penalty minutes. Yeah, he, was, uh, he was a nut, man. Holy shit. He, he, was, he was a tough kid. Klotzy, too. Holy fuck. And then, yep. And then you, Patty Maroon had 125. Joey Mormina, I don't know if I remember him, 102. Yeah, Joe, yeah. Joey's, I mean, a, Joey's a big guy. He played for the Albany River Rats for a little bit, too. Dude, that, your, your year with the Adirondack Phantoms, you guys had some guys. I think you had three or four guys with over 100 penalty minutes. I love yeah. that shit. Yeah, we had a tough team, man. Um, there was a couple other guys too. Stevenson, he he, he fought yep. quite a bit on and the year I was in Glens Falls. Um, yeah, we we had a tough team. That's unreal. Uh, did I accidentally? Yeah, I accidentally did that. Whatever. Um, so you, you carved out that AHL career, and then you joke, you go over the pond, and what like what was the reasoning behind that? And when you got there, was it everything you kind of expected, or? Was it a little bit different? Like, tell tell us what it's like playing hockey over in England. We've had, I think we've had a couple of people on the pod that have played over there, but it, it seems like it's a sick, sick spot. Yeah, it was a good time. I mean, I I uh, I didn't go back to Philly. Um, I tried out. I went. I, I did a tryout for the Worcester Sharks, uh, another AHL team. Um, they didn't end up taking me, and I got they they offered me to go to Elmira, uh, which is in New York. Yep. And higher jackals. Yeah. And I was, I was just at a crossroads. I mean, I, I, I didn't really feel like going there. Um, you know, I, I heard, I, I didn't hear great things about the city. I mean, it, it's, it's not, a, I mean, I, I ended up playing there for three years after we'll get to that, but <laughs> I was, just, I was just at a crossroads and I had an opportunity to go out and play in England. And I was like, you know, at the time in my life, I just said, sounds intriguing. I mean, it's going out. I'm going to a different part of the world. Um, and went out there and shockingly uh just it was it was a good league the fans were were crazy just like you would expect i mean you've seen soccer fans over there yeah um you know we would get at our rank it was it was kind of very similar to the unh it was very similar to whittemore it just did it just didn't have an end zone of fans it was just like it was just like a horseshoe and uh it was probably seven thousand and we packed it in, man. And we had a good team. We ended up winning the championship that day. No shit. Dude. Or not that day, but that year. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a that's a pretty sick story, right? Like you get to fucking yeah. go over there and, and you win a ship and you're there for a year. And then you you end up going back to Elmira and playing for the Jackals. You go back to the coast. You play for the Jackals for three years and then the South Carolina Stingrays with uh, Joey Diamond. But what was it like playing in the coast uh, at that time? Because that's 2011. So it was like the coast was the coast isn't tough anymore. So I'm trying to figure out what year like the coast like was tough as shit. Was it those years? Uh, back probably like 2000. I mean, what year? What year was that when I went over? Uh, you went to England in 2010. And you came back in 2011. Yeah. So I mean, the league. I mean, the East Coast League was probably. I mean, it was really really tough in like 2008, 2009. Um. We had some tough guys for sure. I mean, it was definitely like the fighting was kind of phasing out, kind of like it is now, um, even even more now. But, um, you know, I just uh, like going over to England was a great for for me. It was a confidence builder in terms of my game. Um, you know, I put up a lot of points. I was scoring goals. I, I felt really good about you know where my game was at. Um, ended up going back and being closer to home. Uh, and sounds like you're having fun again. I was having fun again. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, and, and I, and I had fun, fun ever since until I retired. 
you know, I had some great years ever since then. Um, thought I thought I could have maybe had an opportunity to get called up. Uh, some of my years in Elmira, either to Binghamton or Rochester, it just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is what it is. You know, I, I still I still worked hard. I, I fucking showed up every day, played hard, and um, played with some great players. Um, had some great teams. Went went pretty deep in the playoffs a few times. And uh, you know, I, I it's it's been a, it was a great run for ho- hockey. Was a great run for me, and, and I, I don't regret one m- minute of it. And fucking metal the biggest takeaway for me is fucking met a lot of great people a lot of connections right now yeah and and like dude there's not that many people who become professional hockey players so like and the fact i mean and you you lived it up dude you main six school to go to you got trapped by the flyers fucking tough ass organization you got to go over to england which was fucking so how old were you when you went to england in 2010 i was probably 20 i would say i was probably like 24 25 right now not the most perfect age to go to england oh, it was fun, dude. It up. oh my oh, god yeah. it's a good time it's unbelievable then your last year you played for south carolina stingrays and you got to is that when you met joey met joey in south carolina he was my roommate no did they put you guys together because you were you main guys I, they might have. I just showed up. I, I ended up showing up there a little bit late in the year. Well, it, actually, it was right at the end of training camp. Like training camp had already happened. I was trying to figure out what I was going to do because I was going to move down to Nashville. And yep. um, Spencer Carberry was the coach there at the time, and he and he offered uh, me a job. And I said, "It's. It, it's it, I always wanted to play down in Charleston, man. I've, I've been out there a few times. It's a really cool town. Good city. Good weather." Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know what I said? I said, fuck it. Uh, I'm going to go down and play one more year. So I went down there a little bit late in training camp, walked into my apartment and, and Joey was my roommate. No shit, dude. Hey, not, a mean, bad guy, not a bad guy to have a roommate. No, not at all, man. It's in the fucking small world. And you're right. Like you meet so many like cool fucking people in the hockey world and it's, it's yeah. nuts, man. That's fucking sick. And, and you, you kind of mentioned that you were thinking about moving down to Nashville. Now you do the country music thing. Yeah. I would say I'm more of a showman than I am a singer. Uh, uh, definitely more moves. Yeah, you know I try. <laughs> but when when did you when did you like start singing? When when was that something for you? And I gotta ask this: Did the boys give you a hard fucking time, or or were they like, yeah, let's fucking go? Because like hockey has like the oh, I'm a rough exterior like manly man kind of thing. But like, dude, you're out here fucking belting country hits. I'm just like, what was that like? I mean, yeah, for the most part, they, they were pretty supportive. I mean, they oh, could I have been jerked me behind my back, but I was like, <laughs> you know, I, I just kept, I just kept rolling with it, man. I, I, I enjoyed it. You know, we would, uh, I picked it up probably when I was 20, right, my senior year at Maine or, or the year after maybe. That's kind of late. Yeah, it's late. Yeah, definitely. Oh, so, so when I first picked it up and was playing, yeah, I, I, I probably sucked and they were probably fucking sick of hearing me for sure. <laughs> But uh, I just kept with it, man. I I really, really loved it. And, um, you know, I never had to fight fight the passion for it. And then songwriting became a passion for me. Um, and as I got better and better, like, you know, we, we'd, we'd be out at the bar late night, come back and fucking grab the axe. And, you know, it would be up till like three or four in the morning. I was going to ask you how many times you whipped the guitar out at a hockey party. Uh, oh, yeah. It's a good amount. A good amount. <laughs> this fucking guy again. <laughs> oh my god that's unbelievable like yeah. oh i fucking love that shit so and, and you took it you took the risk i i guess it's a risk because you don't know what's gonna happen but you moved to nashville and and you just start fucking doing your thing so like you started your senior year in maine which is insane are you playing as like as you're playing hockey like is that still 
very much in your life, like get home from practice and just kind of get after it? Or did the songwriting kind of happen later on? So, I mean, that's, that's definitely what happened. I mean, the songwriting, the, the songwriting probably happened later on, like very, very, um, I would say, I would say I had a big songwriting year just, just, I mean, not to say any of the songs were good, but like, I just wrote a lot of songs and it was kind of probably in England. Okay. And then, and then when I came to Elmira, like that was when music kind of really started taking off for me. Um, just in terms, like for myself, not in terms of, you know, financially or anything, just, I was playing, I was playing all the time. I was coming home from practice, writing a few songs or always playing it. And then by the time I got to South Carolina, I mean, I was getting better and better writing a ton of songs at that point. Um, you know, playing a lot, starting, starting to play some more gigs out. And then when I retired from South Carolina, uh, moved down to Nashville because, you know, it it was consuming me. It was what I wanted to do at the time. at at that point in my life and but i but i knew that i had to get around better musicians and and better writers than me dude it sounds it sounds an awful lot like when you're a kid playing hockey same thing right like you need you need to surround yourself by better people because you're not going to get better if you're not around better people it doesn't it doesn't matter what you're doing right yeah because you know not only that other people are going to have a different perspective where you'd be like oh i never thought about it that way or you know they're gonna you're gonna you're gonna say fuck i'm just i'm not that good yet (laughs) and and it's gonna keep you it's gonna keep you driving to get better and better then i went down to nashville i i uh i met a lot of great people down there talented people creative people i was writing all the time doing writers rounds playing playing live like right around gigs um which is I don't know if you ever been down there or heard of like the Bluebird Cafe or like heard the, of the uh, Bluebird. Haven't been there. Going probably at the end of the summer. I'm gonna head down there. And check yeah. It out. So, so I I personally I really like the Listening Room Cafe. But what it is, it's like a it's like an intimate venue where it's like all, you have a bunch of up and coming songwriters in Nashville, and they're just they're telling their stories of each song, and you probably play four, five, six songs in an hour, and then you pack up, go to the next place. It's it's pretty cool. I mean, you meet a lot of people that way, and you know, it was definitely a three. It was it was it was a huge growth in my music career those three years. I mean, you know, my songwriting from from like three years ago till now has has definitely improved uh, tremendously. How how nervous were you the first time that you got down to Nashville and like started playing your gigs? Real nerve. I mean, de- definitely, I was nervous. Like, it's a, it's a whole thing because you know it's not not the whole process of picking up a guitar and learning it is fucking nerve wracking. Yeah. Then it's the process of singing it in front of people. Not, I'm not even talking about a crowd. I'm talking about your, your parents. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's you're just, super fucking vulnerable, dude. Like yeah. you're, you're like, you're putting your shit out there and you're just yep. hoping that people appreciate it. Exactly. So, and, and so then that was a thing. And then it was like, you're, you're, you're playing your first gig and it's like, Holy fuck. Like, what do I, Hey, what do I say in between songs? Do I sound like shit? Like you have, there's so much, like for me, there was just so much shit going through my head as I was playing. But for some reason I just kept trucking along, man. And, and just, I really, really, I really enjoy it, man. It's, it's, uh, like I said, I've never had to fight the urge to pick it up or write a song or, or go out and, and gig. I mean, I'm fucking gigging now. Nowadays I'm gigging 60, 70, 80 times a summer. Jeez, man. I mean, yeah. that's fucking sick. Cause after the gig's done, you have a few beers, you hang out. You're like, yeah, I'm the dude with the sick hair that was on the stage singing. What's your name? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> fucking perfect. Now th- these two questions are going to kind of tie into each other, but 
uh, in terms of like singers, like who kind of inspired you as, as like your country uh, career, like as, progressed. And then one question I ask everybody, I probably should have gave you like a heads up about it. Cause it might take a little while to figure it out, but if you could have your own music festival jamboree and you can pick five artists or bands to play your music festival jamboree, who would that be? Country a hard one. It, it's whatever music you want. It's it's your concert. You're gonna go there with a giant smile on your face, dude. It's sunny outside. Let's say it's at the Red Rocks. You have a, like nice little slight breeze. There's just hot chicks everywhere. Like, who? What five people do you want playing the concert? Oh man, I would say Stapleton. Oh, he's he's excellent. Eric Church. I love Eric Church. Okay. Um, Luke Cole. Dude, Luke? Eric Church is so underrated. By the way, like that guy is a fucking oh, he's not, god. Dude, so, he's a. Not not only like he's got great tone to his voice, but he's a storyteller, man, and his lyrics are fucking on point. Yeah, dude. He, he I don't know why, but he reminds me of, like the Dale Earnhardt of like the country music. Like, I, I yeah. Don't know. <laughs> so you got, yeah, that's a great, hey, dude. Great analogy. So you got Stapleton Church, and then you got three more. Um, talk Luke Combs. I'd say, dude, that guy crushes right he's now. Fucking awesome. Um, but like, I'll go, he's I'll go, country. I'll go off country. Um. Big fan. I mean, I grew up a uh, huge fan of like Dave Matthews, but I'm also like a huge, like huge classic rock guy, like Eagles and and Zeppelin and and uh, Steve Miller Band and Dire Straits. Like, love that. So I don't. I, I'll say. Did you ever get a chance to see Dave at uh, Spack? Oh, dude, I've seen Dave fucking eighteen times. I've seen him at Spack though, at the Saratoga. Oh, I usually go to Har- Hartford. If you ever get a chance, dude, when this COVID shit goes away and he comes back to SPAC, it, it's must like you need to. Dude, I, I've I, I definitely will because I've heard I've heard it's a uh, it's a time there. It's not it's far in the summer, dude. So we can hit the track too. We'll have a fucking day. Absolutely, man. Saratoga. Hell yeah. Um, then yeah. New York Zeppelin. I mean, they're fucking classics. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I'm I'm a like I'm a huge Stapleton fan. I mean, he, I, that guy, you know, for me, vocally and, and lyrically, he's, uh, you know, he's up there for me right now. And he's like, genuine as shit, dude. Like, he is. Who he is. There's no fakeness about him. I'm not saying that, like, Luke Bryan and Brad Paisley are fake, but, like, they're too perfect. You know what I mean? Where, like, Stapleton's not. Like, he, yeah. like, he is who he is. He's, he's, a, he's a humble dude. And, and you know, probably to finish, I mean, I guess you got to go to with an, on, like, I don't know, not an encore, but, like, headliner. For, for for everyone having fun is Chesney. Oh, thank God you said that. He's easily yeah. my favorite. He's the I, I have two people I haven't seen that I need to see. Chesney's one of them. And uh George Strait. I would love to see George Strait. But I saw Garth Brooks, dude. Garth Brooks is a fucking showman, dude. That guy yeah. runs across the stage like the whole fucking time, gets people going. Saw Carrie Underwood. Dan and Shea was really good. One of the Eric. best show one of the best showmen I've ever seen. Garth Brooks. Dude, oh. I saw I saw so so my fiance, she she's a um she is a co-host on a radio station in Boston called 1025 Country 1025 and um she got these tickets to go to see Garth Brooks at a dive bar. He he was doing his dive bar tour. So we went to um it was Six String Bar and Grill up by Gillette Stadium where the Patriots play. Yeah. I mean there's probably there's probably less than I would say less than a thousand people at this place. I mean it, we we were dude, we were right there. We were probably 10 rows back. <laughs> this guy put on a show, man. It it was it was very very impressive to see. And then you he's playing his gigs, and he's like, "Fuck, I forgot he's got this tune." And it's just like exactly. oh, he rifles off, dude, Bro. just hit after hit. 
I was literally thinking the exact same thing because I've seen two people in concert where that's happened. Garth Brooks is one of them where like every song that comes on, you're like, fuck, I didn't know he sang this one too. Or like, oh, I forgot about that one. This one's a banger. And Jason Aldean too. If you ever go to Jason Aldean concert, dude, he writes like 50 fucking songs where you're like, I know every fucking word to this song. Like, when did this happen? Dude, I hear, I, I saw I saw Aldean and uh, we, we were out playing. I think we were with the Jackals. We were playing in um, Toledo, Ohio. And we're we were just looking for stuff to do and not even knowing it, dude. Al Dean's playing at the rink the night before we play. No shit. Oh, dude, we were getting in touch with everybody. Like they're, they're <laughs> dude, they're trainers to figure out if they could get us in. We ended up getting in. It was uh he put on a show, man. It was it was it was a it was a treat um bonus that he was there while we were playing. That I mean that's fucking awesome. Uh, so you came out December 11th, 2020 with the album hungry heart. Yeah. Uh, come this far seems to be the banger off that album. You have some other ones. Now here's some questions for you. If, yeah. if people haven't heard you sing yet, what song are you directing them towards? And then what song are you most proud of? I don't know if it's going to be the same song. Cause I feel like sometimes uh, I'm, I'm not an artist, but I feel like if I wrote songs and sang, there's a good chance just because my luck, I would put so much time into one song. It would fucking suck. And then a one I wouldn't, it would be a banger. Like, is it is it kind of like that? Have you ever been like disappointed because you put so much time into one song and it didn't get as much hype as you wanted compared to like something else? Yeah, I mean, it, it's for me. I feel like I'm in a different spot because it's not like I mean, it, I have a decent fan base. I mean, I'm not, you know, I have like if you if you look at my Instagram, I mean, I have you know around five five thousand followers, which is it's decent. I mean, and check not, and check it out on the bottom here. Follow Robert. Hey, at- Go. I got you, bro. <laughs> oh, uh, I love the marketing here, man. It's unbelievable. That's but like, you know, if you look at it in the whole scheme of things, I mean, it's not a huge number, you know, so I- I'm not going to beat myself up over making, um, you know, a song completely perfect. I mean, I- I'm a big believer of just, you know, get getting what you feel out there and not beating a fucking dead horse and get it out there and let the people hear it. And then maybe you'll gain traction that way. Um, you know, I, for the songs, all the songs that I just released, like the 14 songs, um, it's tough, man. I mean, it, I really like come this far. Uh, you know, not, I don't know if it's a, it's just like an anthem. It's like an anthem for somebody that has put a, a, a lot of work in to get where they are and they're not stopping, you know, it's it, your life, it, dude. It, pretty much. Yeah. And, and, and you could, it's any, anybody can relate to that, man. If you're, if you're an athlete, if you're a musician, if you're a fucking business, if you're in a startup business and you're just getting off the ground, but you worked your ass off to get to that point financially to buy it. And you, now you're at the starting point again, you don't give a fuck. You just, you didn't come this far to come this far. You know what I mean? You're going to fucking keep going. So, um, I like the lyrics of that song. I mean, there's, I love some of the vibes in that song. I mean, I wanted it to be, I, I put out songs that, hopefully touch people in terms of lyrics and, and, and inspires them to, you know, become, become great. Um, and I also want to put on songs there that you don't have to really listen to. It's beer drinking music. It's stuff you can put on in the background at the beach and fucking bob your head to it and crush beers to, you know what I mean? So I, I want, I wanted it to be, uh, you know, a little bit of everything. No, and that, that's fucking awesome. What's next? I mean, this one just dropped in December. Like, what? What's what's next on the agenda for you, dude? dude back I, in the lab or what's going on? I'm always in the lab, man. I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm fucking, I live in the lab, dude. I, <laughs> I, I I have so many songs. It's 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 crazy. I the, the the problem with me is getting them recorded, man. 
it's it's financial burden. You know, it's, I don't have a label backing me or, you know, I don't financial, I don't have uh, a lot of finances backing me right now, but I'll find, I'll find a way to get it done. I always have. Right? Yeah, there's yeah, absolutely, and there there's a lot there's a lot of songs, dude, that I'm that I have in the chamber, and I, <laughs> and, I and I'm still putting them in there, and uh, there's gonna be a lot there's gonna be a lot of albums to come. Let's just say that. Okay, here's one for you. If you had to pick one, you had to pick because you started with a hockey career. Now we're doing country music. If you if you could only pick one, and that would have been the only one that you would have done from the moment you started to the, to right now, what one would you pick? Man, that's a that's it's a, a really tough it's a, it's a really really tough question, the and 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 I thought about this and it it's almost a, it's 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 almost a non-answer for me because I can't answer it. The only reason that I would pick music is because you can do it until you're dead. Yeah, you know that, and that's the only reason. And you know, hockey, it's a fucking toll on your body. And oh, yeah. you know, you look at these guys. I mean, you look at Yager. Like it's amazing that guy what he's done. I mean. He, very, very seldom do you make it to like 50 years old. Very yeah. seldom. You know, a lot of guys are retiring mid thirties, 40 years old. Hot, music, man, you can play music till you're fucking 85. <laughs> no, and you, you, know? you nailed it there. And Hey, I, I didn't ask this when you mentioned this, you said your fiance is the co-host of a radio show. Did yeah. you meet her through hockey or through music or how'd that happen? Music. So we were down, I was down in Nashville doing the singer songwriter thing. And, um, I was, I was, I walked in a bar cause I was, I, I was going to play this, uh, this writer's round and she was singing before me. She was a singer songwriter down there. Oh no shit. And, um, you know, I said, this girl's pretty hot, pretty great, pretty good looking, great voice on her. And good didn't, pipe. Yep. Didn't, yeah, I didn't think anything of it. And, uh, she ended up being there after I was done. Um, and you said, ended up going over, having a few beers with her and, and small talking and, realizing that we had more in common than we than we even thought of in the, at the start so um we ended up writing together you know no relationship at all and then one thing led to another i mean it was, i tell her it was only a fucking matter of time yeah and i mean right writing with somebody again like when you're doing that shit that's like when you're at your absolute most vulnerable i feel like you kind of have to like really have a lot of trust in whoever you're doing that with not to be like a complete asshole if they oh, do it, you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah, you got to be understanding of the other person and get a feel for you know it, it's I've I've done you know a lot of different rights, man. It's either I've done a one on one right, uh, you know, male female. I've done uh, co rights where there's two, three, four people in the room. I mean, it's all a different dynamic. You know, I tell people like when you're writing, you're either the the driver or you're the passenger. You know, you might, you might come into the right one day and you're, you're flowing. Like you have the idea, like stuff just flowing out of your mouth and, and, and you, you're, you're, you got, you got, yeah, you got melodies and lyrics ripping in, in your, in your coat and, and the person that's with you might just sit back and let you do your thing and just chime in when they want. And hey, what about this part? Okay. Sometimes it's, sometimes you're the passenger. Sometimes somebody else comes in and they're just ripping and you're just saying, it's not my day today. It's, it's this person's day yeah. and I'm going to, I'm going to help out where I can, but I'm going to stay out of, stay out of his or her way. Um, it's gotta be sick when you're gelling. Like when you get to that like one where it's like, I mean, that feeling's gotta be pretty fucking cool. That's probably just like taking like a shot that, you know, is just so fucking perfect. The puck coming off the stick. It's probably like very similar to that shit. It's dude. It's, it's fun. Like, it's fun not only like coming up with a cool melody um that people are gonna uh dig and, and it's gonna be catchy 
um, but also coming up like a good tagline, like a good, you know, having, having it all come together with the last line of the course or something like that, you know, and that's, you know, as a good writer, I mean, that's what you're striving for. What, what are you most proud of so far in your country, in your country career? Um, I, I mean, know. dude, it's pretty fucking sick. The shit that you've done. Like, yeah, I, I, I just, I'm proud of like, uh, I guess I'm, I'm proud of the progress. You know, I'm proud of the progress. I'm proud of, you know, looking back on, I'm looking, when I look back on 23 years old and I picked up the guitar, I mean, I've, I've come, I've come a really, really long way, but then I've also come a long way in the last two years, you know? So I think the, the progress is, has been, has been fun. I mean, the ride, the, the journey has been fun. And I think, uh, I'm really, really getting a grasp on the writing and, and, and finding my sound and, um, you know, I'm excited to see what's going to happen here in, in the future. I mean, I can't fucking wait, dude. I, I was definitely jamming before this started. I was just, I was interested to see what song your favorite was. So I appreciate that. Absolutely. Uh, let's see here. Okay. I have two, two more questions. Uh, first okay. one's going to be quick. What's your favorite emoji? Oh my God, dude. This, this sign right here. Okay. I like that. I like that. And then <laughs> if you weren't into hockey or music, what do you think you'd be doing right now? I don't know. I mean, I'm doing something on the side right now. Uh, work, I'm working for a sports media company called okay. called Company Thirty Nine. So I guess uh, I guess it would be something business oriented or uh, marketing media. And and what we're doing is, um, I mean, it, it hasn't come out yet on platforms yet, but we're kind of on the startup scene of it. But what it is is it's it's brand building for athletes. I can't wait. It's, uh, I'm fucking pumped, dude. I, uh, Joey and Matt showed, gave me like the rundown of like what the site's going to look oh, like. And shit. Like if you guys are listening to this podcast and you appreciate hockey, you guys should, I'm just letting you know, like, do you remember growing up? The only videos we'd have would be like those VCR tapes of like Wayne Gretzky. And like, you'd put it in and like, you oh, just yeah. watch Wayne Gretzky dick around or whatever. And like, that was sick as a kid. I can't imagine when I was a kid, if, company 39 came out with what they're going to come out with. If I had that as a kid, like my love for the game, cause oh. like I already love it now, but like, it's going to be so fucking sick. I cannot wait until that's live. Dude, there's not enough. Like, you know, you look, you look at hockey players as a, as a whole, like, you know, pretty modest guys. Like, you know, th there's not a lot, um, you know, social media these days, a lot of, a lot of like these big athletes don't post on it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we're trying to build that up for these guys and, and give them a platform to do it in a, um, authentic way, you know, and, and it's going to help. It's going to not only help, um, you know, get their <coughs> names out there and, and get their vibe out there to the young generation, but it's going to inspire a lot, a lot of people, a lot of young hockey players to, uh, you know, to become fans. It's going to be, I can't wait. It's going to be fucking sick, but Rob, thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, I, I appreciate you having me. Dude. I had a lot of fun. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, we, I had a great time. We do trivia shows every once in a while. So maybe we can get you and Joey on a trivia show or some shit. Anytime, man. Let me know. All right. Fuck. Yeah. And that's, that's Rob Bellamy guys. You guys can follow him. That's at Rob Bellamy music on Instagram. Uh, check him out on Spotify, hockey player, country music star, literally like, fucking sick life dude so Rob, Rob, thanks for hopping on man and uh that was this episode of the morning skate
you won't make money playing that guitar and singing that country for all those people i'll have a middle finger when i'm done I'm still running